This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. The Biden administration confirmed that it would send cluster munitions to Ukraine. Jake Sullivan, America's top national security official, said the decision was, quote, difficult because unexploded bomblets from cluster munitions, which release a large amount of smaller bombs, pose long-term risks to civilians. A law bans their export, though the president can override it. America will provide munitions with a low, quote, dud rate, below 2.35%. The Dutch government collapsed after the ruling coalition's four parties failed to agree on asylum policy. The Prime Minister, Mark Rutte, said on Friday that he would resign after chairing unsuccessful crisis talks. His centre-right VVD party favours limiting the number of refugees' relatives allowed into the country to 200 per month. Two coalition partners oppose the idea. A general election is expected in the autumn. American jobs growth slowed more than anticipated in June according to the Labour Department, suggesting that interest rate hikes are beginning to take effect. In June, the economy added 209,000 new non-farm jobs, compared with forecasts of 225,000 and down from 306,000 in May. The unemployment rate dipped slightly to 3.6%. A federal court handed down 90 consecutive life sentences to a gunman who murdered 23 people at a Walmart in El Paso, Texas, in 2019. The 24-year-old shooting spree was motivated by white supremacist beliefs and targeted Hispanics. In February, he pled guilty to 90 charges. He could still face the death penalty in state court. Indian authorities arrested three men over a rail collision that killed more than 290 people last month. The incident occurred when a train carrying more than 2,300 passengers was diverted, crashing into a parked freight train. The three men, two signal engineers and a technician, were charged with culpable homicide and destroying evidence. Jen Stoltenberg, NATO's Secretary-General, said that the inaugural meeting of a new NATO-Ukraine council would take place during the alliance's summit in Vilnius next week. He said that NATO's leaders would reaffirm that Ukraine will eventually join the organisation. Mr Stoltenberg also expects allies to reiterate support for the territorial integrity of countries vulnerable to Russian interference, such as Georgia. Switzerland and Austria signed a declaration of intent to join SkyShield, a European air defence programme set up by Germany in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The initiative, which has 17 members so far, fosters cooperation on training and procurement. The new joiners stressed that the alliance would not compromise their centuries and decades-long neutrality, respectively. And word of the week, gusanos, or worms. Fidel Castro's name for people who fled after the Cuban Revolution in 1959. Today they send back 2 to $3 billion in cash a year to the country, 2 to 3% of GDP. 
And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Russia wields its social conservatism. In Russia, Saturday is Peter and Favronia Day, or Day of Family, Love, and Fidelity, a holiday trumpeting traditional family values. The symbolism chimes with President Vladimir Putin's fierce social conservatism. In December, Russia expanded its homosexual propaganda law to ban the promotion of non-traditional sexual relationships, not only to children, but adults, too. In June, the lower house of Russia's parliament passed a bill banning gender reassignment surgery and the changing of a person's gender on official documents. Mr. Putin uses what he sees as a clash of values to justify his invasion of Ukraine. He paints Western societies as hotbeds of debauchery. For example, he has said that teaching children about gender fluidity is, quote, on the verge of a crime against humanity. The Kremlin, he avers, will protect its people from these sordid influences. In practice, that means embedding militaristic nationalism into everyday life, such as by introducing lessons on Russian values at schools. But as Mr. Putin's bloody war drags on, many Russians may realize they don't mind Western norms so much, after all. Latvia's intrepid new president Diplomats are supposed to be conciliatory, but Baltic ones do not mince words when it comes to their neighbor, Russia. One of the sharpest-tongued is Edgar Zrinkovich, Latvia's foreign minister since 2011. He calls Russia an, quote, evil empire and accuses it of committing genocide in Ukraine. On Saturday, Mr. Rinkovich will become Latvia's president, having been elected by the country's parliament in May. As the country's first openly gay head of state, he will stand as a rebuke to Vladimir Putin's oppressive cultural ideology. The war in Ukraine has been tough on Latvia, which depended on Russia for gas. In the war's first year, inflation passed 20%. Domestic politics is somewhat paralyzed. The prime minister, Christianis Karens, who wields more real power than the largely ceremonial president, may reshuffle his cabinet to push through reforms. But Latvia's geopolitical prestige has grown. They can tell the West they were right about Russia all along. Improving Bone Transplants after blood, bone is the most commonly transplanted tissue, but bone grafts are painful, costly, and can compensate for only small defects. For larger defects, you need a scaffold, a 3D implant that gives structure to growing bone. But that is tricky. Soft scaffolds cannot hold much weight, and in harder ones, cells struggle to divide. Now, researchers at the Technical University of Denmark have built a scaffold that balances structure and flexibility. Like native bone, their scaffold marries a hard framework with a soft matrix where transplanted cells can proliferate. The engineers implanted it, loaded with bone marrow stem cells, into rats with defects in their skulls. It enhanced bone growth by 84% after eight weeks of healing, far outperforming previous scaffolds. The researchers claim that they can have the healing time and revolutionize orthopedics. Helpfully, the scaffold is built from materials already approved by America's Food and Drug Administration. A Rugby World Cup Preview in Pretoria The Rugby Championship, a four-team tournament between Southern Hemisphere sides, starts on Saturday in Pretoria, South Africa. The championship features three leading contenders to win the Rugby World Cup in France, which begins in two months. Australia's head coach, Eddie Jones, pictured, is back after 17 seasons away, having led teams such as Japan and England. 
he has just five matches to imprint his methods on Australia's players before the real business, the World Cup. Expect some experimentation. New Zealand, meanwhile, had a woeful 2022 by their standards, losing a match to Argentina in the rugby championship and a home test series to Ireland for the first time. Ian Foster clung to his job as coach, but will need at least two wins to build confidence for France. Finally, South Africa have an experienced, settled squad and will aim to inflict a psychological blow on New Zealand, a team they might meet in the World Cup quarterfinals. Weekend Profile Barbie Sporting a white and black striped swimsuit, red lips, and a sideways gaze, Barbie first tottered off the production line in 1959. She was named after the daughter of the couple who developed her, but her figure was copied from an erotic doll sold to German men. American children were besotted. Their mothers fretted that the 11.5-inch anatomically impossible woman was a bad influence. So, Barbie was given a job, as a model, and marketed as a way to teach girls to look neat and stylish. On Sunday, 64 years later, yet not one day older, she will grace the pink carpet for the Hollywood premiere of Barbie, her first live-action film. Barbie's inventor was Ruth Handler. With her husband, she founded Mattel, the toy maker that still owns Barbie. Barbie prototypes were mistakenly given nipples. Deemed to outre, they were delicately filed off. In 1961, Barbie acquired a preppy boyfriend, Ken. Handler believed that, quote, little girls want to pretend to be bigger girls and that Barbie would free them from the infantilizing world of baby dolls. Never presented as a wife or a mother, Barbie has had 250 careers, including astronaut, surgeon, and presidential candidate. Still, many feminists have long despaired at her unrealistic shape, materialism, and conformity to gender stereotypes. Lamenting that, quote, math class is tough, did a 1992-era talking Barbie few favors. The best-selling Barbie model, also sold in the 1990s, had floor-length hair, irresistible for brushing. Barbie's biographer, M.G. Lord, calls this, quote, a modern reenactment of an ancient goddess cult ritual. Baby boomers who grew up with Barbie bought her for their children. Mattel needs those millennial children, now parents themselves, to do the same. But there is more competition these days. Barbie's crown has been threatened by Elsa, the star of Disney's Frozen. Lego is ascendant. So Mattel has given Barbie a makeover. In 2016, she was relaunched with seven skin tones and four new body shapes. But what better marketing ploy than a feature-length advert? The doll's on-screen universe is a kitschy, girly utopia until one Barbie, played by Margot Robbie, starts asking existential questions. Trailers have lit up social media in advance of the film's opening in cinemas on July 21st. It will take a truly determined parent to avoid Barbie mania this summer. Quiz winners Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners chosen at random were Louise Fairley, Edmonton, Canada Pablo Veraprendes, Mexico City, Mexico Klaus Herreth, Munich, Germany They all gave the correct answers of Barbara Bush, Jose Moreno, Diego, Monica Seles, and Francisco Goya. The theme is Californian towns named after saints. Santa Barbara, San Jose, San Diego, Santa Monica, and San Francisco. The questions were Monday Apart from Abigail Adams, who was the only woman to be the wife of one U.S. president and mother of another. Tuesday, 
Which football manager who has won titles with Chelsea, Inter Milan, and Real Madrid is nicknamed the Special One? Wednesday. Which animated children's TV character is the cousin of Dora the Explorer? Thursday. Which tennis champion was stabbed in the back in 1993 by an obsessed fan or rival Steffi Graf? Friday. Which Spanish court painter is known for works such as the 3rd of May, 1808, and a portrait of the Duke of Wellington? And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Jean de La Fontaine, who was born on this day in 1621. By the work, one knows the workman. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.